Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Hello, Coach Taku listeners. Happy Friday. This is Mary, and I'm joined by the wonderful, magical, wise, ever radiant, ever brilliant Christina. And today we're talking about one of my favorite all time animes, the, the one that, you know, introduced me to this whole genre, the one that really got me to commit. And it's none other than Sailor Moon. And specifically, we're covering the movies that just came out on Netflix. And so excited to get into this with you because it has so much. I mean, so much of my childhood came up when I was watching this. I don't know about you, just Christina, but I was like, oh my God, just took me back to a different, more simpler time. So without any further ado, if you don't know Sailor Moon, the here's the synopsis. It's about this high school girl who actually, I think she's in middle school when the story starts, but... Um, who finds a magic locket with a cat and realizes that she's a moon princess and that her job is to save the world from evil. And in that process, she gains allies through other sailor scouts who are also other middle school girls who all represent a planet. Together, they're the sailor scouts and they defend the planet against evil forces. Anything I missed, Christina? No, I don't think so. Um... You know, just something that I want to say in general about Sailor Moon as a series is like, wow, what a titan. You know, um, first of all, uh, we are specifically covering the two-part movie Sailor Moon Eternal that just hit Netflix a couple days ago. And so if you haven't watched it, there may be some spoilers, but if you read the manga, it's actually completely in alignment with the original manga. So you should be good to go. But I just want to reiterate here that the original anime started in 1992. It is currently 2021. <laughs> and um, I, I want to emphasize that point just because, you know, we, we do a lot about coaching on this show, but like this is probably the series for me that has me nerd out harder than any other. And so it's just like exciting to see that enough of the world also loves it so much that 30 years later, of course, Netflix would put a two-part movie (laughs) up because it's just that good, you know? Um, And there's just something about the magical girl genre and like believing in the power of love that will just get you going every single time. So I don't think that necessarily adds to the synopsis, but I think it does just kind of ground us in exactly what a titan of a series Sailor Moon has been over decades for many, many people. Yeah, we actually wanted to change it up a little bit today because Christina and I are such fans of this show that, yes, we're going to talk about coaching, but mostly we're just going to be fangirling. <laughs> so, And we're breaking this one down into two parts as per the movie itself. And so let's get started. And I think the, so here, the framework, the coaching lens for this conversation will be around vision. 
But honestly, within that, we're going to get really loose and we're going to have a lot of fun just talking about our favorite characters and what we found. So who do we start with? I think I want to start actually... Actually, I want to start with the outer senshi, Christina, because I love them so much. And they were part of the second story, but I just kind of loved their energy. I loved the way that they were depicted. I loved the little family unit that they had going on. It was it was like really charming. And I was like, and it was so different in contrast to how it's been with uh, the way that it's been shown in the U.S. in the past. Yeah, I mean, um, I actually saw a meme <laughs> I put on my Instagram stories because I found it so funny. It's um, of Pluto, Uranus, and Neptune all in the room together. And it's like, sometimes family is a gender fluid race car, lesbian driver, like lesbian, her femme wife and their goth life partner. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the the outer century are a cool place to start, Mary, because we did a Sailor Moon episode a couple months back, I think right before the new year. Um, And during that episode, we talked a lot about how even though Neptune, Uranus, Pluto, and even Saturn are in some ways more powerful than the inner scouts, that they also seem more martyred. Like, they're kind of like victims for their causes. Uh, You know, they always put duty first. They always put what's expected of them first. And what I really love about this movie is not just getting to see them in that family setting of raising Hotaru until she like fully blossoms into fully realized Sailor Saturn. Um, But it's cool to see that scene where Haruka can admit to her longing to be with the other scouts again and admit to her desire to like have this dream of being connected and with others and not just fulfilling on her sense of duty. Um, And so for me, it was just really satisfying to see Hotaru grow up and be like, hey, by the way, Sailor Moon's in danger, but even more so like, you know, whose call are you going to answer? Are you going to answer the call for war? And they're all like, well, like we are going to go show up and fight. We're not doing it because there's a fight. We're actually doing it because we love Sailor Moon so much. And we want to like protect her smile and we want to see her have like the future that she desires. So I don't know, it just gave me a lot of feels. Like there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of like, um, I think expression and honesty and where they were at in this movie. Yeah. And you know, Christina, as I was watching it, one of the first things that struck me was how happy they were uh, creating this different type of life for themselves. And the thing that came to me is the ability to have it all. Like, and it actually came across the whole movie for me, but there was this thing where each one of each sailor scout has their own dream, whether it's like aiming to become a doctor or Jupiter, where she wants to have a family and get married and have children. But, you know, in looking at the outer senshi, they're kind of living that dream. And it's like they have the ability to have it all, which is, which is like beautiful to watch because of the tragedy of these characters. I mean, Pluto was condemned to a life of solitude forever and ever as a keeper of time. And here she is, you know, in this family unit, creating something very different than what she was quote unquote destined for. In the same way, you know, like Saturn is the the scout of destruction. 
her role is to end the world at any given point in time. But here she is being like a sweet, adorable daughter to these to this family that loves her and coddles her. And there was something really there was almost like a possibility of more love. And I think that's what actually drove me to say, yeah, I can see how the love that they have for each other, the love that's possible here can extend to these, to the Sailor Moon and to the other century as well. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think perfectly, this is where we can solidify what we mean by vision a little bit, because um, I think vision is actually the bread and butter of what it means to be a coach. Because unlike therapy, where it's really about looking at the past, coaching is all about, well, what do you want from here? And where are we going from here? And what I really got from the whole movie, uh, first of all, (laughs) what are the odds that we review two anime movies back to back where like the characters are like in a deep slumber and have (laughs) personal revelations (laughs) about themselves? (laughs) And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm referring to Demon Slayer and Mugen Train, which was an episode we released a couple weeks ago that totally rocks that you should also listen to. But, you know, I think many of us fall victim, you know, fall into the trap of only creating short-term visions. And where do we create short-term vision from? Usually it's from fixing a problem or doing whatever makes us feel better in the moment. Whereas long-term visions, like they, those live in commitments that are bigger than our day-to-day feelings. And so what I loved in you mentioning the other scouts dreams, Mary, is like, we get to see for the inner senshi how when they're trying to choose from their feelings, they're sabotaged, you know, they're cursed, they give into their fear, they doubt that they're doing the right thing because it doesn't always feel good. But these moments where like the highest versions of themselves show up, which I think we should talk about because those are pretty cool. Like when these little, when these little versions of themselves from inside show up and it's like, no, like Jupiter, you don't really believe that about yourself and no Mercury, like, like you've never let doubt stop you from chasing your dream. And they go like, oh yeah, I might be scared right now, but getting to be a doctor, getting to be a wife, you know, getting to be famous, like all these different dreams, like that doesn't go away. And the dream gets to be bigger than the fear. Okay, I have two thoughts. One, I want to know what your favorite, what your favorite little miniature was and why. But on that same vein, you know, what's interesting to me, Christina, and as I've worked with clients too, is that oftentimes we create a tension where there actually is no tension between things that we quote unquote want or desire. And I think that played out really nicely here with all the inner senshi as they're fighting themselves in some way, thinking, well, I can't have a family and save the world. I can't be the, I can't be a doctor and also fight for, fight as a sailor scout. There is an, a lot of times they were in opposition with themselves. And I think why it's important to have a vision and a higher commitment is because when you remember that, you see how actually everything is possible. When the vision and the commitment is large enough, you can create whatever you want because then you're coming from something different. You're coming from a place of love or joy or peace or whatever it is that actually lights you up and makes everything possible. Yeah. And um, the other thing that's really cool about how it works in part one of the movie 
is I have it that each of us have different ways to get reconnected to our commitments. Um, and we talk about this a little bit, even in, um, I'm just like promoting all our old episodes today, but like, uh, if y'all remember when we talked about the anime film, Your Name, um, we talked about this idea of having a relationship to the highest version of yourself, the highest version of others, and also the highest version of something bigger than us, whether it's spirit or the universe or the magical moon kingdom or whatever you believe in. And what I really noticed with the scouts was that with Jupiter and Mercury, the people who came to them when they were in their doubt were themselves, like little, little chibi versions of themselves that showed up. And for Mars, who showed up were Phobos and Deimos, who are the ravens that live at her shrine, which to me was like, oh, that's because, you know, um, for Mars, she's just so deeply connected to spirit. And she gets reconnected to herself when she channels like that magical part of her. And then for Venus, funny enough, it wasn't a sprite or a chibi or hallucination. It was actually Artemis, her cat. And yeah, like his partnership was the thing that called her forward back into believing in herself again. Um, and so you asked me, Mary, like, did I have a favorite moment among the scouts? And it's hard to say, because if you just asked me from like a personal level, I will always choose Jupiter because I she's just the one I relate to the most in the inner senshi. But there is just something so sweet about Venus's revelation that even if she doesn't believe in herself all the time, because she has a partner like Artemis who believes in her, that she can come back to who she is again over and over and over again. And that was just really sweet and tender to me. How about you? I was a big fan of Mars. I loved that because I was like, who are these little two little miniature selves that are showing up? And, and it took me a minute and then they introduced themselves. I was like, it's her Ravens. Of course, I was like... Because Mars seems like the one who is most psychically and spiritually connected, I also feel like that at times has kept her in isolation and apart. But what was interesting about the movie is that it shows that none of them are ever really alone, and especially Mars, who's always followed, even when she thinks she's alone, by her two spirit ravens. So it was really cool to see them show up in this other form and say, hey, this is who you are, and this is how you show up for yourself, and we're here to remind you of that. Way to get messages from the universe, Christina. Yeah, I wish my messages from the universe showed up as little chibi humanized ravens. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> um, so I know we've been jumping all over the place, but uh, I've realized somehow the movie is called Sailor Moon Eternal and we have yet to actually <laughs> talk about our thoughts, feelings, and body sensations revolving around the moon princess. <laughs> herself um which i've gotta say uh i don't know how you felt about this mary but i really enjoyed how much more screen time the rest of the team got in these two films um and look usagi and chibiusa and mamoru they still got their their screen time um but if we're talking about this idea of like part of what helps move, like keep us connected to our visions are the people we surround ourselves with. 
it was really cool to see Usagi and Mamoru so supported by these warriors who were coming into themselves and truly owning and reclaiming the dreams that they have for the future. Especially because for most of the film, if you've seen it, then you know, like, they're ill. Like, they're actually in a weakened state. I I agree with you, Christina. I like the change, mostly because in the series and even in the other movies, it's always Sailor Moon who comes and saves the day. You know, she has this moment. Every other sun, she is down. She's here solo. And then she just goes, moon power, and let's go. And not to say that there wasn't that moment in this movie, but you can really tell that the commitment and the loyalty and the love that her team had for her, which I think is very different from the other movies because we were, we're, we've been used to be focusing on Serena or Usagi so much and Mamo-chan and their love story and their love drama that oftentimes the other senshi don't get as much of the spotlight. And as a result, it's kind of a disservice because each one has such a story and such a powerful tale. And so in this movie, I think we got more of a glimpse of that. And it also makes it more relatable because not all of us relate to Usagi. No, some of us identify more with Jupiter or Mars or Pluto or Neptune for whatever reason. So it was really nice to see like a more diverse, more cohesive team and what brought brought them together. Yeah. Um, So speaking of which... What was like, we talked about the scouts, like individual aha moments. What were some of your favorite team up moments from the two parts of the film? Because for me, um, because I'm a pretty little girl that likes pretty little dresses. (laughs) I was a huge fan when you, uh, in the second part, when you see the scouts kind of take on their princess forms and they're all channeling like the power of their guardian planets to help fuel uh, Sailor Moon and her power. Um, And I think part of what I liked about it is we talked about this a lot in our original Sailor Moon episode, but I think why I fell in love with anime and why I fell in love with Sailor Moon is because these are women who are gorgeous and also kick ass. And there was something so cool about how in that scene, they kept flipping between these illustrious gowns and their Sailor Scout uniforms. And it was kind of like every time they showed up on screen, they were in something different. And so to me, it was just, it was really powerful to get to see these warriors also get to be princesses and how their power and the thing that fuels their ability to save the planet is when both of those identities intersect. Yeah, I think there, I think there's a story around integration and all of this and not just within themselves, but within the team as well, because I had to think about it for a sec, but I think my favorite moment was actually when the three outer senshi showed up at the end of the first film because not because they show up and they were super cool. I mean, they were right. And it was a, it was a fun moment, but it was because even though they were in separation, like, you you know, um, Saturn, uh, Pluto and um, Neptune had gone off to do their own thing for a while they always kept that link and they always kept that love. And it's like in the time where they were needed most, they show up. And it's like, 
there was something about that moment that was really powerful for me, in ter- especially I think in thinking about it with what we've experienced with COVID. And it's like the people who are important to you, the people who are on your team will always be there. No matter how far they are or what distance, they will be there. And that was just like, oh, my heart. Yeah, teamwork really makes the dream work. And, you know, I think on the flip side, we haven't talked about them too much yet, but the main antagonists of the film fall under the moniker of the Dark Moon Circus. And it's fascinating because, you know, here we are talking about how what makes the scouts so powerful is their trust in each other and their like truly equal partnership and the way that they show up for each other. Whereas with the Dark Moon Circus, it's like all pawns and minions. <laughs> like I really felt for Fisheye and Tiger's Eye. <laughs> um, you know, you just kind of watch the tears of people being used for Queen Nephilia's ultimate gain. Um, and so to me, like, yeah, it, it was just interesting to watch this again after reading it so many years ago and notice like, oh, like part of what raises the scouts up is that they hold each other as equals. Like even though Sailor Moon is the moon princess, she isn't actually any more powerful than Sailor Jupiter, Sailor Mars. It's when they all combine their powers together that they become this unified force. But with the Dark Moon Circus, they're like, uh, who can I squash and who can I use to make my shit better or make my shit handled? Um, so I think the the duality of those things were interesting for me. Yeah. And you're going to have to listen to part two of, you know, our Sailor Moon episode, because I think you're onto something, Christina, in terms of the duality, because it's not just a duality between the Dark Circus and the Sailor Scouts. It's actually a duality between, when you think about it, ourselves, like the light version, quote unquote, the light version of ourselves versus the dark version of ourselves or our shadow selves, which is an interesting conversation. And if you want to know more about that, tune into our next episode. Yeah. um, So we're going to start to wrap things up here. As we mentioned, uh, this is the first time we're trying it. So let us know what you think. Uh, We covered two two hour movies. (laughs) So we want to have two 30 minute episodes to really debrief and get into it and fangirl out with y'all. So let us know if you're a fan. Um, you know, if you listen to us week to week, get ready for next week, we'll be finishing up our conversation. If you're binging, then just hit the forward button and looking forward to wrapping up the conversation with you. And as always, thanks for tuning in. And of course, if you're listening in the Apple podcast or anywhere where you can leave us a review, please do so. It really helps us identify and find new listeners who can also enjoy this content. And if you have any suggestions, DM us, uh, or you can find us on Instagram at CoachTakuPod, or send us an email at CoachTaku at gmail.com. Until next time, everyone. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Coach Taku. You're subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, CoachTakuPod, D-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host. In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at Roar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at Mary, M-E-R-Y dot the nerdy coach. 
Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.